Heritage Park Baptist Church, we make apprentices to Jesus Christ. For more information about our church, please visit heritagepark.org. So we finished up Habakkuk last week. Next week, we're going to start the book of Amos, studying that. Uh, Today, though, I just wanted us to think about the summer. Anybody ready for summer? I know a couple of you have already graduated. Way to go. High fives all around for those of you who are out a little early. Uh, A couple of you, you still got a a week or so left. Um, Finals looming for some. It's coming, though. Summer is coming. I wanted to think and talk about um, opportunity here. Just give you a couple of stories here. Uh, In 2018, now, this is really important that you listen at this point because I've already gotten questions from the 830 service. It was in 2018. Everybody? My wife had a wreck, so she's already been asked a couple of times, hey, are you okay? I heard you had a Yes, in 2018 she did, but they weren't listening near as well as y'all are. In 2018, back when the Beltway, excuse me, the Beltway is still under construction everywhere, yes? This unique construction was between uh, the Gulf Freeway and 288 there, and uh, one of those places where, you know, everything's tight, people are crazy, whatever. Uh, she tops a hill, uh, the guy in front of her darts to the right, and there's a car stopped. She stops, but the guy behind her doesn't. Pancake, bam, bam. She calls me, oh my God, it's terrible. She was safe, all was okay. And uh, then after we got past kind of the trauma, she said, I think I'm done driving the family vehicle. (laughs) Great, babe. Go for it. So she's got this little blue Honda and awesome, fantastic. What we had in that moment uh, was an opportunity to buy a new car. And sometimes our opportunities cost us something. Um, There were... uh, Maybe about that same time frame, uh, I can't quite remember exactly when. It seems like it was in that, in that t- same time frame. Um, I go down to the optometrist uh, just down the street here. Uh, at some point in the examination, he looks at me and he says, Hey, did you get hit in the head as a kid? And I say, Of course. What kid didn't get hit in the head when they were a kid? I mean, of course. Did you, did you stare at the sun too long? Yes. I mean, of c- what person didn't? Why? Why are you asking me these questions? You're an optometrist. T- you've got a cataract. I said, that's what old people get. I'm not going to fight you. Here, I'm not going to fight you here. So I had the opportunity to go in and have cataract surgery at 40, whatever I was at the time. And... Um, Sometimes our opportunities come along and they help us to see things better. Um, And then every so often, see if this is true of you, every so often I actually read the emails that Southwest Airlines sends me because fair sales out of Houston, I at least in my brain fly to somewhere awesome. Yeah? Like $49 out of hobby to... And you're like... No, I don't want to go to Dallas. I mean, I want to go to, like, Vancouver. $49 to Vancouver? Anybody? No, dang. But, but I still read them, and sometimes these opportunities allow us, uh, you know, kind of an, a moment that we might enjoy something. Uh, summer may have some of that for all of us. An opportunity that may cost us something. Uh, an opportunity that lets us see things better than we are. Or an opportunity where we get to step out 
and enjoy. And today I want to talk about our window of opportunity, kind of we as a church family, you individually, but also we as a church family can embrace. So if you have a Bible, the book of Acts is where we're going to be, Acts chapter 8. If you don't have a Bible and want to put one in your lap, you can grab one off the sides of the tech booth. If you're a user of the Bible app, feel free to open it up and find our live event and track along. Acts chapter 8, verse 26. This is the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, it's a great story. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes uh, down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. Then he rose and went. There was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning seated in his chariot. He was reading the prophet Isaiah. If you're not familiar, Isaiah is one of the books of the Old Testament. Uh, And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. And so Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me or helps me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And now the passage of the scripture he was reading was this. This is from Isaiah 53. Like a sheep, he was led to slaughter and like a lamb before its shearers silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life was taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or someone else? And then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, he came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop. They both went down into the water. Philip and the eunuch, he baptized him. And when he came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more, went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus as he passed through, preached the gospel to all the towns, came to Caesarea. Okay, so here's what I want to talk about. Uh, Our window of opportunity as we think about the summer. uh, There's four panes of this particular window. Here's the first one. Uh, Is my yes. If we, if we collectively, individually, are going to engage with the windows of opportunity that are before us, it starts with my yes. And uh, here is the place where it starts. It starts with intimacy with God. Now back up to verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise, go down toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. It's a desert place. And he rose and he went. Church family, listen to me. No matter what your summer holds. For some of you, it's going to be uh, vacation. For some of you, it's going to be transition. For some of you, it's going to be this. For some of you, it's going to be that. For some of you, it's going to be like greatest summer of all time. Some of you are like, "Ah, I'll be ready for school to start. For for whatever it may be, um, there is no greater investment that you can make in your life, in the life of your family, in the life uh, of, of, of those around you that you care about than your own connection to relationship with and intimacy with God. There's no greater investment. You you want to be close enough to hear his voice. You want to be close enough to hear his voice. Um, and, And I want to be very clear about this. When he speaks, it will sound like the Bible. God never says anything to you 
by his spirit, we as Christians believe that Jesus has died and he has risen again. And for those who put their trust in him, he, by his spirit, comes to live inside of us. So the spirit of God is living inside of us. But the spirit will never say, never say something that is in contradiction to this. If God says, don't do it, the spirit won't say, do it. If God says to do it, the spirit will not say, don't do that. It won't be. It won't be that way. He will never speak in contradiction uh, to this. And sometimes the voice is command, and sometimes it's permission. But nonetheless, our yes, first and foremost, and let it be most of all, is to intimacy, connection with, relationship with God. Secondly, it's also yes to the hard environment. So just, again, angel of the Lord, rise, go. Um, to the south, to the road that leads from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is, what's the next little part there? This is, what's it say? A desert place. This is a desert place. Sometimes we say yes to the difficult environment, to the hard environment. Why? Because it's there that God wants to use us. It's there that God wants us uh, to, to work. Um, it. And as we'll see, we read the story just a minute ago, but it may very well be right there in the hard place that God actually brings life. Hard place. But God may very well, he may very well uh, bring life. And, and then lastly, it, it's, it's yes to the uncomfortable task. It's a desert place. And he rose and he went. So this wasn't God saying, hey, listen, um, I, I really want to, you know, for this, this, and this to, to be true about your life. So go, take a nap, just relax, it'll be fine, I'll, I'll work it all out. This is him saying, go to this hard place. Go, be a part of this uncomfortable task. Why is that important here? Because I, I, I would put money on this. There will be a moment this summer, as you think about your windows of opportunity, there will be a moment this summer where Jesus will ask for your comfort. He will. I know God, but here I am. I'm in the air condition. I'm relaxed. I got a lounge chair. Thanks so much. This is amazing. And Jesus will say, and now it's time to get up and go. Well, but I have a lounge chair. Did you not know? Look, it's time to get up. There will be moments when that is the case. Why? Because there are things that God will say to us, do with us, and do in us that only happen when we're outside of our comfort zone. He will ask for that. So, as far as the window of opportunity, it starts with putting your yes on the table. My yes. Um, secondly, th there's, there's courage. Verse 27, he rose and he went. There was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure. He'd come to Jerusalem to worship and he was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. So let's just pause here. Uh, oh, oh, I'm sorry. One more verse. Uh, 29. And the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So here's where courage comes in. Go over and join the chariot. You can just picture Philip. He's sitting there, rough spot, desert place, sun's hot, everything's happening. right? And there's a chariot coming along. And the Spirit of God speaks and says, go run over and join the chariot. Now, this is the treasurer for the queen of Egypt in a chariot. Do you think he's rolling alone? No. 
He's got secret service around him. He's got protection. There's people far out in front of him. There's people behind him. There's people walking alongside. And God says, hey, hey, go, go, go up there. So here's the picture. A chariot cruising along the road. People surrounding it. People out front. People behind. Making sure nobody comes. Because he's a treasurer. And then this guy comes from the hills. And he's running towards the chariot. Now, I mean, everybody, everybody is thinking... Oh, man, we're going to have to get this guy. For Philip's part, that's a dangerous move right there. Courage in the face of danger. And here's, here's the way I would say this. Anything that would cost me something. God will ask you to, to express faith, trust in him. And, it will, and you just think, man, I, I, it's going to take some courage to do this because this may very well cost me something in the face of of danger. Uh, 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And coming out of the things that we've been through, coming out of the things, as we learn to talk to one another, learn to trust one another, learn to engage with one another, learn to do all the things that we're kind of relearning to do in the world in which we live, as we come out of the things that we've experienced over the past couple of years, there are moments when it feels like the spirit of fear takes over. But that doesn't come from God. It's not a spirit of fear. It's just, God has given us a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. When the spirit of fear takes over, we don't have power. We don't. When the spirit of fear takes over, we don't have love. Instead of power, we have bondage. Instead of love, we have suspicion. Uh, and instead of a sound mind, we go crazy. Sounds like the past couple of years. So courage in the face of danger looks like, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to do what you said. And he actually did what he said. And then secondly, courage in the face of difference. So we've got those two things. Danger, something that may cost me, but also difference. Um, and, and so I just I point backwards here. Uh, he's an he's a, uh, a Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians in charge of the treasury. This guy's pretty far up in the food chain in the Ethiopian, um, in the Ethiopian court in that kingdom. He's pretty far up. Philip, not so much. Fisherman, like psh, down here. So, so there was a socioeconomic difference. And there are times when, I mean, if we can, you know, just wrap our minds around this. And, and, and uh, my guess is there are times when, when there is a socioeconomic difference, it's easier to think about ministry, to think about serving, to think about care, to think about all this. If you're the guy on the top looking down. When it goes the other way, that, that's when it's particularly difficult. This is the way that it went for Philip. There's a socioeconomic difference. And he's Ethiopian. Philip, Jewish, this guy, Ethiopian. They don't look like one another. There is a racial difference between the two. And yet Philip steps up because the Spirit of God pushes him that way. And he ha already had his yes on the table. There was a racial difference. Socioeconomic, racial, and there was a religious difference because he was um, what the Bible often terms in the book of Acts a God-fearer. He wasn't Jewish, and he wasn't a Christian, a follower of Jesus. He was like somewhere in the religious nebula saying, I, I know that there's a God, and I believe that there's something important here, but I'm not sure how to figure all this out. So he starts you know, reading the prophet Isaiah. It's a good place. So so there's, there's socioeconomic difference, there's racial difference, there's religious difference. He's not Jewish, he's not a Christian, he doesn't know the story of Jesus yet, but he's not committed. He just knows that somewhere in the nebula, there's some truth that he needs to find. 
My guess is one of those three things, socioeconomic difference, racial difference, religious difference, one of those three things is more difficult for you to overcome than another. The question is, can you put your finger on what that is? If God opened the window of opportunity and you stepped forward in courage, do you know what difference would be hardest for you to step forward, to overcome? Last, or excuse me, third, third. Um, verse 30. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, Do you understand what you're reading? He said, how can I unless someone guides me? So he invited Philip to come up to sit with him. The passage of scripture that was reading was this. Like sheep, he was led to the slaughter. The lamb before his shearers is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied. Who can describe his generation? His life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said, a few does the prophet say this about himself or about someone else? I want to just give you a couple of things to think about, and we're going to roll through this. Th- third pain. First pain. Um, is is our yes. Second pain, our courage. Third pain, our witness. Our witness. And it starts with a seeking to understand. Philip stepped up into this guy's world, into the place where he was, and he said, hey, do you understand? Because I want to help you understand, and I want to understand what you're trying to understand. Do you understand? He's like, I don't have a clue, man. I don't know. I just left Jerusalem. There was some stuff that happened. I don't understand it all. I, I've never seen anything like this before. I've never seen somebody get baptized, or I've never seen this, or I've never, never seen people raise their hands in worship, or any number of other things. I No, no, I do not understand. So you start where they are, and you say, so help me seek. I, excuse me, I'm going to seek to help you understand. Seek to understand. And it could go like this. What, what are you reading? Literally not reading anything. Uh, or you get into a conversation. Hey, what do you think about God? Oh, I don't believe in God. Well, tell me about the God you don't believe in. I may not believe in that God either. There, there are five questions that every major religion and every major philosophical um, stream tries to answer. Here they are right here. If you're a note taker, feel free to write them down. If you want to grab your phone, take a picture. That, that always, always is fine. Nothing, none of that bothers me. Questions for understanding. If you want to see, uh, you can get to these kinds of questions because they're asking them. What is, what is real slash what's reality? What's real? What's reality? What, what actually is? Secondly, who is really well off? I mean, like when you think about it, who, who's the blessed one? Who's blessed? Uh, thirdly, who's a good person? When you look in the world, how do we understand a, who a good person is and, and what that person uh, you know, is about. Fourthly, how do you actually become a good person? So if you can identify that, how do you, how do you get there? And then lastly, um, because, you know, what's real, who's well off, who's a good person, how do you become a good person? You still have to live in this world where brokenness happens, where uh, people have to flee, where there was war, where there's cancer, where there's all these other stuff. So how do you explain evil and suffering? The major religions of the world and the major streams of philosophy of the world, they all ask the same question. Who has the best answers? I think Jesus has the best answers to the most important questions. You, you find the best answers right here. And so this is what Philip does. is helps him, uh, helps this guy understand. And um, f- for you and for me, 
across chips and salsa or barbecue or in our backyard or at the baseball game or wherever. You listen for these questions and you can know that Jesus has the best answers to them. Secondly, start where they are. So so look down at verse 35. And then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture. If you like to write in your Bible, feel free to write in your Bible. Beginning with this scripture. I mean, just like underline that. Beginning with this scripture. Start um, where they are. They have these questions. Just, just start where they are. For some, you, you have the relational capital to dive pretty deep, pretty fast. For some, you're still growing in that relationship. For some, it's a short conversation and then you move on and talk about how hot it is or how the Astros are doing or how much, you know, this or that happens. Have you seen the new? And stick with it. We're kind of reloading this uh, for. Uh, the, the first one is what we call the culture of invitation. It's kind of the, the base of it all, that we would be people who just consistently invite people to church. Hey, do you go to church anywhere regularly? It's always the regularly that gets people, by the way. But do you go to church anywhere regularly? Man, we'd love for you to come to Heritage Park. We'd love for you uh, to step and just, just be a culture of invitation. Secondly, you have the opportunity to tell your story. I look at this section and this section and this section and this section. I know at least one or two people who are going to be watching online, and I know the stories. And God's given you those. He's let you live through those stories in order that you could share that, uh, to be able to tell uh, that story. And then lastly, you share the gospel because that is the pinnacle. That is where we want to be, that we share um, the good news of Jesus. And that leads to Jesus. So then verse 35, Philip opened his mouth and beginning with the scripture, he told them the good news about Jesus. He told them the good news. He wasn't inviting them to a political moment. He wasn't inviting them to a, uh, a, a, a particular religion. He, what was he inviting them to? He was inviting, yeah, Philip was inviting the Ethiopian into a relationship with God through Jesus. The good news. And can we, can we rehearse this? I mean, we, we rehearsed it here with baptism. Let's rehearse it now. The good news of Jesus goes like this. You and I are in desperate need of somebody to come in and rescue us because um, our lives are messed up by sin. We have um, done the things in our world. We have not done the things where we should have that have set us separated from God. We live separated from him. And so in steps Jesus. He steps into that separation and says, I want to pay the price for your sin so that you um, can be forgiven of your sin and so that you can be made right with God. But it's not just that he died on the cross to pay for our sin. He also rose from the dead. This is what we as followers of Jesus believe, that he didn't go down into the grave. He also came out of the grave and today is alive and seated at the right hand of God Almighty. This is what we believe. Not just crucified, but also resurrected. And for anyone and everyone who puts their trust in Jesus, doesn't matter your background, doesn't matter your current situation, doesn't matter what, for anyone and everyone who puts their trust in Jesus, he does and he will forgive you of your sin and he will give you new life so that you are ready to live with him forever. This is the good news of Jesus. 
We don't have to make ourselves right with God. We don't have to try. God does this for us, and we can know, we can know that we are right with God because of who Jesus is. Share Jesus. And lastly, verse 36, as they were going along the road, they came to some water. The eunuch said, see, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop. They both went down to the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized them. See it through. See it through. Start where they are. Share Jesus and see it through. See it through. This is what it means to live as witness, to take the opportunity of witness. Last, last pain of this window of opportunity is trust. We started with our yes, our courage, our witness, and lastly, our trust. Trust that he is at work where you are right now. Trust that he's at work. Okay, and I, here's, here's where I get that from this story. So Philip approaches the chariot, gets past the Ethiopian's secret service, into the chariot, explains to him the good news of Jesus. And the next step for people who follow Jesus is to be baptized. And so the guy's like, all right, let's get baptized. Here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And what's the answer to that? Nothing. I need to go backwards in the story a little bit, though. An angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise, go toward the south, to the road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. This is a desert place. Where'd the water come from? I don't know. But I know this. They needed water. And what did God have ready for them? Listen to me. You step forward in ministry. You say, God, I'm going to put my yes on the table. I am going uh, to participate with you in your kingdom work and with courage. I'm going to be a witness as you call me to be. There will be a moment where you need water in the desert. Water. I don't know how it happens, but it happens. Because God does it. Trust that he is at work where you are right this minute. And so you think about the baseball field or the soccer pitch or your work environment or uh, your family dynamic or this thing that you're about to ha- uh, you know, kind of walk through with, this, uh, with the, the neighbors and, and where they are. I mean, you just think about where they live, where you are and where they live. And you can believe, you can trust, you can count on God being at work all around you. The question is not, okay, God, where are you? Where are you going to be? At, I, I don't know. Where are you going to be at work? The question is not whether or not Jesus is at work. The question is, are you going to join him as he's working? That's the question. And if so, you can trust that he is at work right now. He will give you exactly what you need in that moment. And then secondly, verse 39 When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus. As he passed through, he preached the gospel all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Trust that he will put you where he wants you next. So the picture is, 
He baptized the eunuch, came up out of the water, and all of a sudden, Philip went from being there to being somewhere else. I don't know how that happened either. I'm not sure if there was a portal that opened in the universe, if there was a wormhole, if there was something that some of you NASA weirdos can figure out to come explain to me later. I don't know. All I know is that he got beamed up from one place to another. He's there and then he's not. But what was consistent with Philip was what? He preached the gospel to the Ethiopian and he preached the gospel where he landed to. Trust, he will get you to where he wants you to be next. Trust. As you think about summer and the window of opportunity, you can trust. Not only is it work now, you can also trust him that he'll get you to where you go next. So here's just questions for us. As a church family, some questions for us and, and for you individually. Here, here's number one. What are your windows of opportunity for ministry within our church family? What does it look like for you to step up in men's ministry, in women's ministry, with our students? Jarrett and uh, seeing that, I mean, unfold with our kids as we look to reboot um, some of the things that have been offline here um, through this in the fall jam and other things. Like, what does it look like? for you to step into this window of opportunity within our church family? Question. Second, what does it look like? What are your windows of opportunity within what I just called your normal summer rhythms? You have them. You have normal summer rhythms. You go to the pool on Thursday or you do this or whatever. You have people over for the barbecue, whatever it may be. What does it look like? Where are your windows of opportunity within the normal summer rhythms? At the field, outside, in your backyard, at the neighborhood, whatever it may be. What does it look like? And thirdly, what windows of opportunity are available to you right now? I mean, like here in the next few minutes, we're going to release, let you go. Um, What are the windows of opportunity that you could like do? I mean, like right now. What? I'm not waiting for summer. I'm not waiting for three weeks from now. I'm not waiting to go on this trip. I'm not waiting. I'm talking about like right now. What are the windows of opportunity that are available to you right now? Those three questions. You know where it starts though? It starts with your yes. For some, it, it is yes to to a God that you already know. Yes to you, my Lord, my King, Jesus. I know that I need to step forward into this. I know I need to step into this. I know I need to participate in this. I know I need to give myself to this. That's my yes. For some, for some, your yes is um, to him. To say, look, I, I, I am giving my life to you. I am surrendering my life to you and who you are and what you have done for me. I'm not going to try to fix this on my own. I'm going to let you come in and rescue me. For some, your yes is, is to him and you give your life to him. It's good news when you do. So that's your yes. So I, I would like to just take a moment and pray. For all of us, here for those of you watching online and you have a minute where you can just ponder what it what would it look like for you what would it look like for you 
to take advantage of this window of opportunity? What would it look like for you to say yes? What would it look like for you to give your life to Jesus? Let's pray. Father, over every person here, over every person watching online, this is my prayer. Uh, That you would prompt them, encourage them, settle down on them so that their response is yes. Your goodness has come after us. We didn't have to go find it. It has come after us. We sang about that a while ago. We want to be a people who are marked by that. And so let us start there. And in this moment, would you draw us very close to you? Let us hear what you would say. For some, it's a very clear command to do something. For some, it may be permission. That's true. For some, it's a calling to yourself to say, surrender to me. And I pray for anyone here, anyone watching online who doesn't know you, today would be the day where you draw them close to you. They put their trust in Jesus. Are forgiven of their sin and experience a new life. Do this now for his sake, and I pray that you would do it in his name. And we all say amen and amen to that.